Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. I come in this morning, and both Pastor Rhea and Pastor Matt are sharing from Isaiah 9. As a matter of fact, when I walked up over there and Pastor Matt came up, I said, uh, just typically on Sunday morning, I said, what's on your heart, son, before you walk out there? And he said, oh, Isaiah 9. I said, really? He goes, yeah. And I said, oh, that's, he says, you know, uh, what, what Rhea just was sharing, he says, man, it's just right there as we come to the table of the Lord. I said, awesome. So I didn't say anything to him. So he does things, walk over there, and he stops by, and he sees my outline laying there, and he stops and looks at it and starts reading and starts laughing. And I said, oh, yeah, God's up to something here today. Look at the person next to you. Say, uh, God's, up, God's up to something. And I'm certain it has to do with you. <laughs> ah, get your Bibles, phones, pads, whatever you have. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. We're going to look at five or six verses of Scripture there that probably are right up, I would say, uh, at least any one of these verses would be as popular in the top 10 verses that are known or heard. In other words, if you quoted it, somebody would say, oh yeah, I either heard that, saw it on a Christmas card, a bumper sticker or something, even if they don't go to church. I would think Isaiah 9 probably falls into that category of the top 10 most familiar scriptures. So here we go. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation, you shall increase their gladness, they will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of the harvest. You know, I'm really struggling here because I read right by one verse where I wanted to stop and now I get to this verse. And at the presentation of the gospel message last night, I opened with, you've sent something in this place and I made this statement I made here a couple of weeks ago that there's some things that the pres- only the presence of God can resolve complexities of the heart that the mind can't ha- comprehend. Only the presence of God, listen to me, can resolve the complexities of the heart that our mind can't comprehend. Now, and you see that when I came to this, I thought, oh my goodness, it's loaded right there. They will be glad with your presence as with the gladness of the harvest. Now, what, what's happening here? is there was no real harvest. Because as you're gonna find in just a couple of verses, he's referring back to the story of the Midianites. And that's where the Bible character, hmm, I should have referenced it. I think it's Judges six and seven, eight and nine, somewhere around there. Uh, The story of Gideon and the Midianites. And what they're surrounded, the people of Israel are surrounded by 120,000 foot soldiers, army of the Midianites, and they're just surrounded and cut off. God puts together an army, powerful story about raising up unlikely leadership and unlikely warriors. But God puts together an army and he keeps filtering through until there's only 300, 300, not 300,000, only 300 left. And he takes those and he routes an army of 120,000. So you've got to know the stories in the Bible because as you're reading Isaiah 9 and the Christmas message, you really need to know the story of Gideon and the Midianites because it was in the darkest night, the battle happened in the darkness, and they came and they took trumpets 
and they took uh, uh, vessels that had oil in them with a candle, and, and at one point they smashed the vessel, the lights go off, it was recognized then as a signal uh, to, to perhaps a much larger army, and the Midianites went crazy, got confused, and ran away. You see, there literally is a working model for when John's gospel says, the light shined in darkness and darkness could not comprehend it. You say, well, give me a biblical picture of what that looks like. I can't, don't have time this morning to develop that, but what happens then in the story of Midian is they go and burst open these vessels, and we don't know if there was oil in the bottom, and suddenly there was a larger fire, but suddenly the light did shine out, the trumpet blast came, and the Midianites turned and ran in confusion. Beloved, listen to me. When light shines in darkness, it still does the same thing. Every time the light shines in darkness, it still does the same thing. When the light shined in darkness at creation, chaos was ended. When the light shined in darkness in the incarnation, chaos was ended. Darkness could not comprehend it. Hmm. <clears throat> I'm going to insert this right here because it's not in my notes and it just popped into my brain. This week, the, the nation of Canada, their, their what would be the equivalent of our Senate or two houses, uh, Congress and Senate unanimously, unanimously passed an ordinance that essentially says, that does say to churches, if you preach biblical sexuality, one man, one woman, if you preach biblical sexuality, that now is otherwise known as conversion therapy. If you preach biblical sexuality, you can be imprisoned and put in prison for five years if you preach biblical sexuality. Beloved, here's when I smile when I read things like that and in this day, because that's coming. You can, you can say, shake your head and say, well, that won't ever happen in the United States of America. It's coming. It's coming. But guess what? Governments can do their best to try to come up with light ordinances all they want. Wait, what, what, is, what, you, what on earth are you talking? You just made a leap to something I don't even get. See, some cities now have light ordinances. Did you know that? For emitting light at night, lights can't shine up. They shine down because light shining out confuses nature and everything. And, and there may be some truth to it, but they've taken it really. Here's where you can shine light. <laughs> but here's the good news. There's a particular scripture that God says, I don't really go looking for advice when, I, advice when I come to mankind. I don't need your counsel. So I, I sort of, you can get up and go, do you believe what just happened in Canada? Well, Pastor Tom, aren't you anxious or freaking out? I really am not. Because the light shines. The light shines. The light shines. Present, active, future. The light shines. The light shines. And God, last time I checked, God said, I still control the switch. Nobody else. I'll shine where I want to shine. They can do it. Did you get that? Ordinances. You can only shine the light of the gospel over here. You can't shine the light of the gospel over there. I'm just laughing. Do what you, is anybody getting what I'm talking about? Okay. The, the God says, the light still shines. They can do whatever they want. Listen. Canada or any other government, China has tried real hard for scores of years. 
and the light shines. And you watch, it's, it's only a matter, may not happen in my lifetime, I really believe it will, when suddenly there's going to be such a surge of that gospel message and light that it's gonna burst out from the underground church and it's gonna change the landscape and hundreds of years of governing philosophy in the nation of China. You watch, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Why? Because the light shines. The light shines. The light shines. Yeah, somebody's getting it. All right, let's, let me keep going. I have this written, by the way. So if you'll pray that I'll actually follow this, we'll get done before the opening night of, uh, or excuse me, before the uh, opening of the Christmas production tonight. All right? The light will shine on them, end of verse 2. You shall multiply the nation. You will increase in gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of the harvest. What does that mean? I started to say a moment ago. That means the presence of God brings the gladness that you have associated. Watch. Has anybody ever felt like I plant, I plow, I water, I plant, I plow, I water, I plant, I plow, I water. And right as this thing's coming up out of the ground, jobs, marriages, kids, life, stuff. Uh, the enemy comes in and steals it. That's the story of Midianite. But God said, I want to tell you something. The joy that comes when you get to the point of harvest, even if the adversary may steal it for a season, I'm going to give you the joy in your heart that you have associated with the full fruitfulness and realization of a thing. Say, so how can you do that? Well, I'm going to give the secret away in just a minute because Paul clears it up for us, the Apostle Paul. Okay? <clears throat> Verse 4, you shall break the yoke of their burden, the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors, as in at the battle of Midian for every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult. That actually happened. You need to go read the story. And cloak will be rolled in blood. That's so gory. But literally, in the aftermath of this great defeat, they took all of the stuff that was scattered, rolled it up, and made fires out of it. And go, you'll understand what's happening. Go read the story. Rolled in blood will be for burning and fuel for fire. Watch, he links all of this to the birth of the Savior. And suddenly he shifts, for a child will be born. Wait, are we talking about Midian? No, I'm telling you the story of Midian. But the prophet is saying, I got a much bigger story to tell you about a much bigger battle where hope is being crushed far greater than it was ever crushed in that season when Midian was dominating. But he says, unto us, watch, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. There will be no limit to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Now. The conditions of Christmas, wait a minute, you're talking about Midian. No, you see Isaiah 9 is talking about the identical conditions into which Christ was born. Because the shining light of the story are not, is not Gideon's clay vessels, bam, that were broken and a fire shined out. The shining light in this story is the Son of God. And he uses the story of Midian and suddenly shifts in verse 6 and says, for a, 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 a son is born, a child is born, a son is given. And he says, here's what that's going to look like. The condition of Christmas, I'm building the bridge. The condition of Isaiah 9, 700 years earlier, when it's dark, when it's fruitless, when it's a burden, 
when it feels as though you have no choice and you're powerless, when it's oppressive, when I feel surrounded, when the ground is shaking, and when the doors seem closed. That's that into which Christ is born. Now listen, and I wanna say one thing before I start this. This is entire transcript. I'm gonna go home and reformat it. And any of you who would like to have it, I would love to challenge you to take any section of it on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day and read it. Share it with your family. Share it with your husband, your wife, any portion of it. So if you'd like it, Tom at newhopeonline.com. Tom at newhopeonline, and I'll send it to you. Give me a day, like I said, to reformat it, all right? 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus Christ, God moved on the heart of the prophet Isaiah to write in great detail of the circumstances into which our Savior would be born. He would write not just of social concerns or prevailing realities, but of the condition of the human heart. He would write of a time that would seem hopeless. Listen to the terms. I've rewritten this passage of scripture. There's a time coming when people will live in darkness and walk in darkness. Now remember, he said, a time coming. Then he refers back to Midian, but he's saying, there is this time coming. They will feel fruitless and powerless over their circumstances, beaten down and choiceless. The hearts of the people will be convinced they are surrounded and cut off. The ground beneath them is trembling and every door before them is closed. This will be the condition of my people. The dark time would come as a result of generations of oppression and domination by other nations. They would march in and dominate the people of Israel, not for a day, not a week or a month, but for 600 years. And if that's not enough, let's add to the equation of these 600 years period, the 400 year period known as the time in between. In the time between what we know to be the closing and final words of God in the Old Testament and the beginning of the new. The last words of the prophet Malachi seem to be an echo suspended in time, constantly ringing in the minds of God's covenant people with the threat of a curse that has befallen mankind. An echo of warning and judgment, a cloud of darkness seems to hang over the people of God. A final reminder of the disobedience of generations that had indeed become a curse, brought on by their own senseless actions. And so God leaves them. He leaves them in the silence of the night of a darkness that would seem to never, to have no end. You see, when between, listen to me, when between, and I'm saying between, I'm introducing the term here that I first introduced 10 years ago this year. Between, for these people listening to the prophecy, they kept saying, any moment now. Yes, any moment now. But when any moment now turns into a month, a year, two years, and any moment now is 10 years, any moment now for them is 10 generations. Four to 600 years and that in between, 700 years since the prophet spoke it. How many know you get tired to coming to church and hoping for that breakthrough when you do it for that long, praise God for that long, believe for that long, and still you're stuck in between? There's some clarity coming. This final reminder of disobedience and generations had indeed become a curse. Okay, I got that. For many, the darkness doesn't seem like between. For them, the darkness has no end. And darkness has no limit. The darkness seems to be forever. Clearly between must last forever. Want to know indications of between when it shifts to forever? You stop praying about it. 
when the in-between, surely that child is going to accept Christ and turn from that path. Surely that spouse is going to reverse their path, come to Christ and believe in it. Surely this will turn. Surely the finances will get better. Surely the job, surely I will be healed. Ooh. Anybody there with me? And then it doesn't happen. And things like, oh, my goodness. Bondage is redefined when these moments, bondage is redefined as freedom, and no one really knows what freedom looks like anymore anyway. However, these are not the only words the prophet would write. There's another side to this bleak equation. He would also write, and here's another paraphrase, these people of darkness will see a great light. And the light will shine on them and in them. They will be glad for the presence of God. There will be joy as in the times of harvest. The piercing light of this joy and gladness will allow them to begin to see themselves not as victims, but as victorious victors, breaking the yoke of their burden and the rod that has beaten them. How does that happen? You see, you go forward 700 years in the nation of Israel and the people of God are still living in political, geopolitical domination by the Romans. When is this ever going to happen? The prophet declares all this will happen because a child will be born, a son of promise given. His name would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and there would be no end to his kingdom. <laughs> and his rule. The darkness would surrender. Joy and gladness would shine, no longer the silent night. God would speak again. Baby in a manger was the voice of God, the word of God. He was God. The word of God became flesh. A light would shine in that darkness that darkness could not restrain. A kingdom that could not be resisted. A kingdom that would have no end. Darkness may seek to impose the boundaries and make your life small, but God sent one full of truth and grace. And can anybody here shout out to me? I mean shout it out because maybe not everyone will know, but a few will. When we say grace here, what does grace do? So. You, thank you. Man, that, I'm, I'm serious. That blesses my heart to hear about 50 people say, push back. Of the 183 times that that word appears in the New Testament, years ago when I studied it, I was fascinated to see that grace is not just a cosmic fragrance of God's wonderful possibilities to come hover over us in our sin. Grace is a dynamic force. It's active. It's doing something. Every time I read it, grace is pushing back. Why is that important? Because this light that shined in darkness is described three verses later as full of grace and truth. You see, light is a bully where darkness is concerned. Darkness would impose the boundaries, but truth and grace show up and begin to push those boundaries back and say, Darkness will not have the final word. And I'm going to tell you where it starts in a moment. A kingdom that could not be resisted with no end. Suddenly the darkness with no end would have to end. Darkness ceases at the edge of light. We call it Christmas. Christmas is the message of the end of between. The end of between was not a public announcement made worldwide. Beloved, I'm praying this year in our Christmas outreach that someone would come sit in this place. And their between would end suddenly as a savior is invited into their heart and as the light begins to shine from the inside out. <laughs> oh, Lord, I said this two weeks in a row and last year, 
that God never promised to remove the darkness around us. He promised to be light within us. I'm going to have you repeat that. I don't have it for a cue here, but I'm going to ask you to repeat that with me. God never promised to vanquish the darkness around us, but he promised to be light within us. Oh my. Oh my. The Christmas message is the message of in between. The end of between was not a public announcement made worldwide. It wasn't presented one, it was presented one life at a time. It never made it to Facebook or Instagram. One at a time, the Spirit of God, an angel of the Lord would appear. It presented one life at a time into those of, of like Zacharias, whose name means the Lord remembers. Yet for Zacharias, it could very well appear that this 85-year-old priest, man, would die with no son. They were barren, no legacy, no one to carry on his name. For in, there was no end in sight. Indeed, his name may be the Lord may remember, and the Lord may remember everything else, but for Zacharias, he had long been forgotten. And you can find it if you read Luke chapter one, because when the angel shows up and says, you're gonna have a baby, he says, you've forgotten clearly that I'm 85 years old. He's not even praying for it anymore. See, the in-between grabs us and chokes the prayer of hope right out of us. This says it does no good to pray. It does no good to hope. Darkness rules supreme. This place can't flinch. This situation can't move. The boundaries are fixed, but then light. The end of between comes to one like Elizabeth, the wife of the man named the Lord remembers, whose very name carries the, the meaning reminding her of her barrenness. The Lord keeps his word. But she too at over 80 years of age and childless, disdain, just looked down on, could ask, does the Lord really keep his word and his oath? The end of between is seen in a teenage virgin girl named Mary as the light of promise is birthed in the face of the impossible. Inconceivable circumstances. And yet the angel assured her God conceived these circumstances and Mary would for sure conceive in a very different fashion. The end of between radiates hope in the life of the faithful Simeon who feared he would die before seeing the dawning light of redemption break the endless horizon of a dark night. But after the birth of the Savior, it would be him who acknowledged this is the Redeemer we've waited for. Between would not last forever. Between has an end because the Savior has come and his kingdom does not have an end. No limit, no boundaries, no restraining circumstances. The kingdom must advance. It has no end. It is the message of Christmas. The penetrating light of the joy and gladness of the kingdom has a terminal effect on what only moments before was thought to last forever. In an instant, my forever is transformed into a between. Somebody hear me. Somebody hear that in this room today, we're about to pray. And your in-between, your forever is about to be transformed into an in-between. And I'm going to give you the secret, just one moment. That my forever has been transformed into a between and between has just ended. 
The light has shined in my darkness of in-between. It's not a group gift. It's a gift just for you with your name on it. Zechariah, the Lord remembers. Elizabeth, the Lord keeps his word. Mary, the virgin, physically incapable of possessing the promise and giving birth to a child. Joseph, circumstances beyond control that he didn't ask for that absolutely were socially humiliating. The shepherd, socially insignificant and inconsequential. Simeon, trying to hold on just to see the promise. Have I described anybody in this room? Can I reread that? Are you just trying to hold on? Hold on just to see the promise. Do you feel like the shepherd's marginalized and pushed out? It was during the first preaching of this that I wrote the song. Stories long ago and far away about the shepherds. The shepherds and a king to come someday. Stories with no end in sight, but for these shepherds, just another night. Things would always be the same. Why? Because it was was a forever, not an in-between. Suddenly the angels sing, tonight's born your king. The Savior has come near, and he's not far from here. The end of between says to Zechariah, the Lord remembers and you are not forgotten. The end of between says to Elizabeth, the Lord does keep his word and you're not left out. The end of between says to Mary, nothing is impossible with God. You are the favorite of the Lord. The end of between says to shepherds, you're not inconsequential. You're not left out. You're not marginalized. The savior has come and he's not far from here. The end of between says to Simeon, you will not die before you see the promise of redemption. The prophet would declare there is no life God cannot penetrate with the light of joy and gladness. Long before anyone else knows or anyone else sees the kingdom that has no end, no limit, it respects no boundary that darkness imposes, it will find its way. Where? Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ is the story that between has an end because his kingdom does not have an end. There is no joy, there is a joy known only to those who stand in a moment of discovering there forever has just become a between and between has just come to an end at that moment. Listen to me, how does that happen? Paul clears it up for us. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse six. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse six. For God said, light shall shine out of darkness. For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. What does that say? The God who said Genesis 1 and John 1. Genesis 1, let there be light and there was. John 1, I'm sending the light of the word, the son of God into the world and there was light. Where do you say shine? Where? In our hearts. In our hearts. Somebody get that. You see, we're looking for God to shine the light in the darkness around us. I open by telling you, God never said he would vanquish the darkness around us. He said he would shine the light within us. Why is that important? It's those night vision goggles I talked about last week. If it's a light shining within us, we look out and we look with the aid of light. We see through the darkness. We see the possibilities of God. Jesus would say, if the darkness within you, if you have darkness within you, behold, how great is that darkness. He's saying that I can illuminate everything around you, but if there's darkness within you, I can turn on the light switch out there, but all you're going to still see is dark and live in it. 
but he says, I got a better idea. How about I shine that light within you, within your heart? And you get the benefit of the effect that that has as you look out into darkness. Every year, by the way, when, when he said the God of peace, let me just tell you this. Colossians tells us, this says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Philippians says that the peace of God will guard your heart. Can I, can, can I see this? Just listen to this. If the God of peace does not rule your heart, the peace of God will never guard your heart. Would you say that with me? If the God of peace does not rule your heart, the peace of God will never guard your heart. You can't separate. So I need that peace, great. Quit being the boss, give him a chance. Lord, you rule, you make the call. I wanna to listen to your word, not my own ideas of, of, of what should be or should not be. I'm looking for one more paper, hot dog, here it is. Now, I don't know, a couple, five, six years ago, I wrote a song we've sung here often. What if the Lord is really in this place? And what if there really is a throne of grace? It's a worship song. What if this is holy ground and this is his glory all around? What, thank you for coming back, B flat. Keep B flat. <clears throat> what if the Lord has come right here today? What if this is the worship that he seeks and just a simple song is all we need? What if the only thing we do is to sing in spirit and in truth? What if we waited here right at your feet? The chorus says, if this is you, what will I do? I don't want to speak. I don't want to move. Well, we came to the Easter celebration. And the song we had used at the post-resurrection scene for Christ, it never really worked for me. And I thought, man, can you imagine what Mary Magdalene must have felt when she went to the tomb that morning? And so I took the same song and I rewrote an Easter version of it. What if the Lord is really in this place? What if it's true that he's not dead? He's been raised. What if it's true that he just called my name? And if that's true, then nothing stays the same. Over the last couple of days, I had fun writing a Christmas version of it. <clears throat> what if the Lord is really in this place? I envisioned the shepherds and Mary, Joseph, gathered around the manger and singing this song. What if the Lord is really in this place? God born in a manger here today. With just a baby's cry, light and darkness pierce the night. If this is true, then nothing stays the same. Is this the mighty God, God and Prince of Peace? The Savior of the world is here with me. If he really is the one and the light of God has really come, then darkness has no power and I am free. If this is you, <laughs> can you see in our musical production, the baby's here, can you just see that? This again, if this is you, what will I do? I can hardly speak, I don't wanna move. If this is you, 
What will I say? I think I'll just wait if God is in this place. I'm going to go ahead and prophesy about the changing of our Christmas production. Listen, I mean it. Next year is going to have an element of it that is intentionally going to invoke worship around the manger where it will be a worship worship songs being sung this year I'm so there, there's a in the latter portion of it there's a the whole thing is done as worship it is great and wonderful but I, I would guess sort of when you hit the song there's a song amen that's sung and from that point on it's like God is just saying I'm here I'm here and it just intensifies and intensifies Stand to your feet right now, if you would, please, with me. This morning, you just stand here. Do you feel like Zacharias? Yeah, God's made promises, but I, it doesn't seem that I ever get any of them. You feel like Elizabeth? Yeah, God remembers, but it just seems like he re- I look around and he remembers everybody but me. Feel like Mary? that the possibilities of the promise that you read in the Bible, or you see read in the Bible, there's no way you're a candidate for them. Everybody else is, but, but not me. The shepherds. You feel like you're just a nameless face in a crowd of humanity, marginalized. It's no accident the individuals and the stories that surround the Christmas story who God intentionally visited with the message of a light that would shine in darkness. You see, because each of their scenarios are our scenarios. So I want to ask you here this morning, who's standing here and you say you feel like darkness just won't go away. I'm here to help you. It won't. It won't. But I'm also here to tell you today that God is here to give you a fresh baptism of light right straight to your heart. And the light that shined in darkness shines in my heart. You tell me. Darkness is confused like the Midianites. They run, they scramble, they scatter. John said, the light can't comprehend it, neither can it apprehend it. You understand Isaiah 9, same, same. Darkness is confused. Why? Father, may the light shine in my heart. In the same manner when you used creation to exemplify what you would do in us. Your word further says, before you said, let there be light. Ephesians chapter 1 said, before the foundations of the world, you spoke concerning Diane. You spoke concerning John and Brenda and Eloise and Amanda and Tom. What does that even mean, guys? Before he ever said, let there be light. Do you get that? Ephesians says, before he said it, he spoke concerning us. Paul says, here's what he said. The light will shine in your heart. Do you understand before he said, let there be light for the whole world, he made a provision of light into your darkness. Do we get that? And that God says, now I want you to read Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And know that the way I stepped up to the absolute gripping, choking chaos of darkness and I made something out of it. 
I still step into the center of your darkness and I'll start to shine a light, but I don't shine it from the outside in because I could, I could make everything around you light, but if your heart's dark, you got no place to go. So I'll tell you what, I'm gonna shine from the inside out. That way, wherever you walk into darkness, it has to back up. Somebody hear me this morning. Bow your heads, please. This is gonna be fast. How many here feel like this morning that you fall into one of those categories? That God, God, yeah, God remembers, but I don't know that he remembers me. Yeah, God makes promises, but it seems like his promises are a million miles away. I feel like a shepherd that's out in the middle of nowhere and maybe God's forgotten I even exist. I, I feel like Simeon who keeps hoping for redemption, but I wonder if I'll ever see it. Come on, here you can be transparent. I'm not gonna ask you to move from where you're standing, but if you're here, just throw up a hand. Come on with me. Yeah, it happens. Woo! Father, I love you and I praise you. You know what? Everybody open your eyes and look at me. I want to speak to everybody over 55. I mean that. You're watching online, you're here in this room, and it just hit me. Did you know it begins, it's funny how the adversary works to keep generations and, and sort of sequester the possibilities of our humanity. That when you're young, you know, you're too young to really do anything. And then when you get older, nobody knows where that transition happens. Well, now you're, you don't have enough time left to, to really do anything meaningful. And I wanna to say to those of you that stand in this room and under the sound of my voice online, where the adversary, where you're reviewing the fourth quarter of life as well, I guess it's just pretty much over. That's a lie. That's a lie. And I love the fact <laughs> that the very first place God shows up to send his brand new message is to two senior citizens. <laughs> yeah. Who both held the same opinion. We're really too old to do anything great. So here's this, either get your attitude right, or I'm gonna pray, do you have a baby? You say, dear God, is that what's coming? Okay, see, I just threatened you. Now, some of you are about to repent. Lord, I'll take the former, not the latter, right now. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Do it, do it. anything but a baby right now, okay? It's not over. It's never over. We are, I gotta tell we talk about the fourth quarter and what we believe is the harvest in this fourth quarter of our life that we're gonna see like we didn't see in the previous three. Yeah. I know about the light, I can tell you about the light. Okay, now just do this with me. Lift up a holy hand right here. Father, take these words for your people. May the words of our mouth today from your mouth and lips and the meditations, the songs we've sung, be acceptable in your sight. May your people today find a God who is a rock of sure footing and a redeemer of unending promise. Lord, we can never know the possibilities of what you would redeem if we're not standing on the rock. So I ask again, may these preached words in this place, may the words of my mouth and our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in, in your sight, Father, a rock of sure footing where well, we can view the endless possibilities of our Redeemer. May it be for us. The Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine. The Lord be gracious unto you and lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. You are the blessed of the Lord. The light of the world. Shine, shine, shine. 
In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Give the Lord praise right now. Come on. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.